It's great to be in Texas. And, uh, and I know uh, there's a word here, don't mess with Texas. So me and my family really want to make sure that we don't mess up with Texas, all right? And uh, we are the brothers and sisters from Indonesia. We love you. And it's so great to be here, fellowshipping with everyone here. You know, we feel so welcome, uh, thanks to the Assad, uh, really took care of us well. We are fat, even the first day we reached here. And I just know that Todd is really a good cook. But he worried, he worried about his two dogs. Because we come from a country that... So I don't want to mess up with Texas, all right? So basically, Todd has to make sure to put the two dogs in the cage. Some of you look at me, you're kind of scared already. No, no, no. I'm your brother in Christ. And I have Holy Spirit. So I'd like to bring you greetings from Indonesia. Uh, Indonesia is uh, considered the largest Muslim country in the world. It's because we, have, uh, we are the fourth most populous country in the world after the United States of America. So we have 260 million people, about 85% Muslim. So that made it why we're the biggest. Um, and it is just so great to see what God has done over there. Now we, are, we just sent another mission this year. So we have 32 churches right now and have about 4,400 disciples all over Indonesia. And God is doing great. You know, this morning I want to talk about something that all of us as human beings will experience. Can you please show up this first slide, please? I want to talk about doubt. Many times we heard about faith. And I know you all love to have faith. There's one thing that we don't want to get into, which is unbelief. That one is sin. All right? So, but the question is, how about the one that is actually kind of like in a middle? It's not faith, but it's also not unbelief, which we call doubt. Is it okay to have doubt? You know what? I got to really learn this because I remember I, I used to have this American dream. I got my master's degree in, 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 uh, in America and then worked in Chicago, got a great job, became a disciple in Chicago. But God has a different plan. God pulled me back to Indonesia from the land of milk and honey. I hate Indonesia because there's a lot of corruption, life is not fair, and there's a lot of persecution because even though I was born in Indonesia, but I'm the minority. Because I was Chinese by descendant. And uh, things are not fair, so I like to be in America. I pray for, for me to get a green card, get a job, and I got it. And the best gift is I became disciple in a great church of Chicago. So I married to Vanya, end of 1993, I went back for our wedding, and Vanya couldn't get a visa back to America. Because we didn't want to lie. There's a way for Vanya to get a visa, but you got to lie. But as a disciple, 
We can't lie. Do you believe that? Yeah. Amen. So that's good. <laughs> All right. We have the same conviction. So, to make a long story short, I got to come back to Indonesia thinking that it's gonna just going to take about a few months to bring Vanius back to America. A company is uh, one of the big six companies in America, and they thought they can write a letter to American embassy and thinking that they will give Vanya a visa. No, nope, it didn't work out. So I didn't know that that's God's plan. I went back in 1994, a bit critical, uh, uh, and then became weak because I thought, what in the world happened to me? I had self-pity. And then that's when the Louis met with us, strengthening us. And not only just strengthening us, and all of a sudden start giving us a vision and dream and say, you know what? I think God wants you to stay in Indonesia. You know, when, when you don't have visa, when you tried all the way to go back and you couldn't, one of the best ways to explain is, you know what? I think it's God's plan. <laughs> I didn't buy into that. I thought that's just, John Louis just made it up. <laughs> that's the time in my life as a disciple that I have a lot of doubts. And what I'm going to read together today is the verse, is a, a text that I read and really strengthened me during that time. Let's turn over to Matthew 11. And I believe we could relate to this. This man... Of God is amazing. He's one of my heroes. But he also have doubts in the life. Matthew 11 verse 1. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? This was John the Baptist. He was the one that baptized Jesus. He believed that Jesus is the Messiah. He preached boldly. It's an amazing man. But he also had moment of doubt. You know, doubt doesn't necessarily mean it's bad because when doubts happen, that's actually kind of like the test for your faith. And God will look at every one of us and say, you know what, you have faith because you're still believing and choose to believe even though in the midst of doubt. Living in the third world, dangerous country, taught me a lot about doubt and how to have faith during that time. So John the Baptist basically kind of like wavering. He believed Jesus. He believed God. He gave his life, but somehow he is in this situation. Just kind of like the father that the son actually possessed by the Spirit. And when Jesus asked him, do you believe me? He said, hey, yeah, I believe, but help my unbelief. <laughs> it's kind of confusing sometimes. I believe, but help my unbelief. 
So that's exactly what happened to John the Baptist. So what happened to him? What caused him to have doubt? You know, because that time he was in the prison. No one liked to be in prison, especially men like him. He's an outdoor guy. <laughs> and all of a sudden now he's indoor. Not for one week, not for one month, probably for about a year. And he was like, he said, what in the world? So difficult situation make him start having doubt. That's what happened. So he started sending his disciples because he couldn't get out of prison. He said, please ask Jesus whether he is the man, <laughs> whether he's the right one. So he started having that doubt. So we learned that difficult situation makes John the Baptist start having doubt. Secondly, you know, John the Baptist know the prophecy. For example, in Isaiah 61 verse 1, Talking about the Messiah, he said, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness from the prisoners. So this was his expectation. His expectation is for Messiah will soon release them and bring judgment. But now, you know what? He's in the prison, and he has been praying, and he has been really trusting God to release him. And to bring judgment, but somehow it just didn't happen. So he had expectation, but somehow the expectation was unmet. So he started having doubts. Thirdly, I think because of his limited knowledge and perception. You know, John the Baptist was the one actually the closest to Messiah. Before that, the other prophets, basically, they're used by God to prophesy about the coming of the Messiah. But none of them really understand what they're talking about because God is the one. The Holy Spirit works through them. So they, they, don't, they didn't have a complete knowledge about it. Their perception about who Messiah is supposed to be is very, very limited. So that could create doubt as well. You know, when I went back to Indonesia, same thing happened. I was faced with difficult situation. Everything, even try to get the church to have Sunday service, you got to bribe the government. We didn't want to do that. When we didn't want to do that, this is the problem. We didn't have a place to worship. Every week we got to change place. Because government didn't allow us to go and rent a hotel or school. So we got to keep moving. There's one time that we got to have a service on the 21st floor of a building without elevator. So people have to go and climb up 21 floors. And then you're talking about God, if you're faithful, look at us. Uh, I remember when, when I made the decision to go and, and join the ministry. A few months later, our first daughter, Tasha, was born. And when she was born, I was so excited. And uh, the whole family basically against us and said, we are crazy. And I said, you know what? No, God is awesome. Our first daughter having a problem. Tasha was born a few, few, few hours later. The doctor came in and Vanya was still resting in the bed. And the doctor called me up and Tasha turned blue. So she was basically in semi-coma situation. 
I remember for two days I prayed without sleeping. I started doubting God and I started getting angry towards God. I said, God, what is this? My family, people start coming. I know deep inside of their heart, they're like, look at what stupid things you've done. You quit everything and you do stupid stuff. I know that. They didn't say it, but that's difficult. I start doubting God. His faithfulness. His blessing. You know, I remember we, uh, in the early days, we tried to reach out to many people. We have Bible talk. We, we, we cook food. We, we prepare everything. We invite people to come. No people show up. That was our Bible talk before. And then we do that weeks after weeks, months after months. We start having doubts. One time, we were praying in the morning with the brothers. And all of a sudden, our neighbors came in. Four of his sons came and grabbed me to their, to their house, which is just right across our house, and beat me up over there. And all the brothers came, and, and we almost had a fight between two teams. And I basically, I got to look at that, the brothers and said, please don't do that. And they slapped me left and right, left and right. You know what? Life was difficult. Because I remember even when, 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 when I had to count the cars to become a disciple, I know the expectation to follow Jesus. But I didn't expect it's going to be this hard. I remember the time when I went to U.S. Embassy and returned my green card. And, and the guy said, why do you, why you have to do that? You know, the longest queue in Indonesia is U.S. Embassy. People want to go to America. Why do you want to give it up? It took me more than two hours just to give it up. <laughs> because I know I got to burn the bridges. Because I know life's going to be difficult. When life is difficult, if I have exit door, I'm going to go back to America. But that's difficult. Expectation. But somehow it's not met. And um, there's a limit. It's a lot of limited knowledge that I have. I read the Bible. I love God. I love the Word of God. But a lot of promises, when I read that, I acclaim that. And I feel, oh, God, this is your promise. But somehow I realize I have so much limitation in my understanding about God's plan in my life, even in our country. Um, so... This would create doubts, and John the Baptist have doubt. So is it okay to have doubt? Absolutely. But the question is, when you have that doubt, what will that bring you to? Which direction will you go after your doubt? Will that bring you closer to God? It will strengthen your faith, help you to understand Him better, or it will bring you further away from him. Jesus has no problem when you and I have doubt. But that doubt is supposed to help us to go and understand him better and bring us closer to him. In fact, believe and trust him even more. Not to the other direction. You know what John the Baptist did was amazing. There are three things that he did that actually bring him closer. That strengthen his faith. 
Number one is the Bible says he sent his disciples to ask Jesus directly. He didn't send his disciples to the Pharisees. He didn't send his disciples to go to other people to go and tell him what is God's plan for him. He still go to Jesus even though he start doubting Jesus, but he still sent his disciples to Jesus. He want to seek answer from God. You know what? When, when, when I face doubt, I got to really understand, should I go and follow my, 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 my tendency as a human to go and find a solution from other people that actually can solve the problem? Or should I go and seek Jesus? In the country where I live, let me tell you, people that have authority, that's the answer. You go, you build friendship with them, you be a good friend with them, you play God with them. That's it. It's so easy for us, even as a Christian, to go and claim that we trust Jesus, but actually what we trust more is actually on man rather than Jesus. Texas. This is the Bible Belt here. Everywhere you go, people talk about Bible, about Jesus. But the question is, do you really, really trust Jesus more than you trust man? I appreciate the leadership in the church. It's good. That's biblical. But you know what? We all have to learn here to trust Jesus more than even the man that God sent to our lives. Because none of them is perfect. I love Todd. Todd is really a relationship man. I love him. So he, they're, they're, he has special gifts that be able to pull everyone together. I mean, truly, I love him. First time I met him, I just love him. We spent time when he came over to Indonesia uh, with his family. I just love being with him. He is awesome. You got to really go and make his job become a joy for him. But we got to trust Jesus more than any man here. Secondly, what John the Baptist do right is uh, in verse 4 and 5, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the deaf are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Messiah didn't just come, go, release the people and bring judgment. But it's also, you got to understand in the scripture, for example, Isaiah 29, 35, also mentioned that, you know what? The blind will receive sight. The lame walk. When was the last time, John, you saw the blind receive sight? Now, Jesus showed from the scripture, showed from his word, that this is a trusted word. And Jesus also gave John the Baptist some proof. But it's not the proof or evidence that John the Baptist expected. But that's the way our Lord worked. You know, the things that John the Baptist do right is he go and he really listen. If that's the revelation from the Bible, is that from the Word of God? You know what? Amen. I'm going to trust it. And that's exactly what John the Baptist do. So sometimes we have a limited understanding about Scripture. You know, 
I, I don't know how many times I read about fellowship in suffering. Fellowship in suffering. I look at Paul, he enjoys that. I said, what is this? I love that verse. I share and preach about that verse. But when I go through that suffering, I don't like it. You know what I mean? But that's the word of God. You know, I don't know. So many people basically said, oh, you know what? If you're in Muslim country, if you can just have a church of about 50 or 100 disciples, that's already pretty good. A lot of people tell me that. Because you are in one of the difficult fields. I used to believe that. I used to believe that. People say, you know what, look at other churches, look at other places. You know what, if you can just have a church of 100, that's amazing because it's difficult. People will be persecuted. But I look into the Bible. The Bible says the harvest is plentiful. The workers are a few. You need to pray for the workers. You know how the world will know that you are my disciple? It's not by you putting that cross sign, but by you loving each other. By you loving each other, they will persecute you, but that's okay. You keep loving each other because the world doesn't have that kind of love. That's the world. The world will see and admit that Jesus is God. That's what the Bible says. Should I trust the situation or should I just obey and trust God with his plan? John the Baptist trust God. And many times as a Christian, we don't have the proof, evidence that we were looking for. But look around us. Look at how many people heal. How many families. These are miracles that shows that Jesus is God. Amen? Thirdly, verse 6. Very short and simple. He said, Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So Jesus said, you know what? These John disciples, you go back and tell John this. Very simple. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. That word, let me tell you, keep John the Baptist to be faithful for the rest of his life. He's in prison. And he was persecuted. But he submit joyfully. Because he counted that. A blessing. Obeying Jesus is amazing things. Sometimes we'd rather not obeying Jesus because we want to have a nicer life. I, you know, almost every businessman in Indonesia, they have to bribe the government. Every businessman that I know, they have to bribe the government to be able to get a job. And one of the biggest challenges for them to be able to trust God. You want to pay tax right, you'll be persecuted. Because you will report and they said, oh, you cheated before. So when people make a decision to repent, they have to go. We teach them, you have to go back and tell them that you have been lying all these years. Now, according to, the, to human wisdom, if you do that, you'll be in big trouble. 
You're going to obey God joyfully and trust Him? Or you will find a way to smooth it out? It's a choice. It's amazing. When I see these disciples, they really go and finally go and meet with the government people and tell them, confess their sin. And obey God. Some of them, they got into trouble. Some of them, they're okay. But it doesn't matter. Our job is not to compare our lives with each other. Our lives here is to actually obey in a joyful way. And that's exactly what John the Baptist do. Three things. He seeks Jesus. seeks the answer in Jesus. And then he really trusts what the Bible says. And he obey what God commanded him to do. And then verse 7. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. So Jesus purposely let them go first. And then in front of the crowd, he said, let me tell you about this man. That came with the question and doubting me. Let me tell you, I'm not down on him. In fact, this is what Jesus said. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. He purposely some, somehow asking the question. He, he wants to attract people and make people focus. And then finally said, yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Does Jesus really mean that actually John the Baptist is the greatest, greater than even Elijah, greater than even Moses? He has better character? He has more faith? He's bolder? Is that what Jesus is trying to say? No. What Jesus is trying to say, I believe, is John the Baptist is the greatest because of all the prophets, of all the human beings before that. John the Baptist was the one actually be able to know the Messiah, know Jesus more than anybody else. He was there. He met Jesus. Isaiah was awesome. But when the Holy Spirit led him to go and prophesy about Jesus, he didn't even know what's going to happen. He was still kind of like blurred. He could just look at it from the distance. The reason why John the Baptist is the greatest because he knows Jesus more than anybody else. He understands Jesus and his plan more than anybody else. And then he said, yet the least in the kingdom of God. Which is... Us here. It's greater than he. It doesn't mean that you have more faith than John the Baptist. We here have the privilege to understand Jesus more than other people before that. We have no excuse today. Especially that we live in Bible Belt. We have so much knowledge about Jesus. You know what? We thank America for sending missionaries to our countries. We, we thank God for that because through that we're able to learn and to know about Jesus. And that's great. 
You know what? What saddens me every day is I see the Muslims, honestly speaking, they are much more committed than a lot of Christians. They woke up early in the morning, they pray five times a week, a, a, a day, and then they, the things that they're devoted to, it's amazing. There's one point of time in my life I almost become Muslim because I was, I, I was in university back then and I was having exam and I see a lot of people that call themselves Christian, they're cheating. And I see these Muslims, they're serious. They'd rather have a bad mark rather than cheating. And I look at them, so sad. They try to do a lot of good things. But what they don't have, it's not because we are more awesome than them. Because they don't have Jesus. They don't understand Jesus. So when we know and understand Jesus, you know what? That's a good news. We're supposed to spread it out. We're supposed to go and tell people about a great plan of salvation. We are greater than John the Baptist because of the position that we have today. We have no excuse today to go and spread the gospel around. And then Jesus continued in verse 12. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been subjected to violence. And violent people have been raiding it. For all the prophets and law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to accept it, he's the Elijah who was to come. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus is proud of John the Baptist. Same thing, you could have doubt. But what you do when you doubt will make Jesus excited about you or not. And it's like in verse 16, to what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirt and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating or drinking. And they say, he, is, he has a demon. See, John the Baptist came, has a pretty strict life. Didn't drink and he said, ah, yes, demon. And then now Jesus, the son of man came eating and drinking and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her deeds. John the Baptist did this, they said he has demon. Jesus did this, he's a drunkard. No matter what you did, the world would go and go against you. That's normal. This correct my perspective. It doesn't matter what happened in our lives. We just have to go preach the word and let people know about Jesus. That's what makes us greater than even John the Baptist. Amen? Amen? So we decided as a church, we're going to throw away that means. Oh, no, you're in a Muslim country. The church cannot grow bigger than 100. You'll be persecuted. You're the government. We start praying. We pray for 10 years. And finally, God works miracle. We have a general that... Finally, give us the permit to be a church in Indonesia. Because since 1984, there's no more new church that could be registered. No way. But that's the way the government go and curb the whole situation so that the Christianity will not grow. That's impossible. But somehow God raised up the, the, the joint of staff, basically uh, like the calling power of Indonesia to raise up. And somehow he tried to find an English teacher. And of all the people in Indonesia, he found out Peter Smith from Wisconsin. 
this, this brother is a Fini. Awesome, good-hearted brother. He was chosen by this general, and he became his English teacher. The general fell in love with him and finally adopted him to be son. And one day he said, let me give you this gift. Peter said, rejected, rejected, rejected. Until one day, we said, Peter, maybe at such a time as this. So the general came, adopted Peter to be his son and said, you know what? Please allow me as your parents to give you something. What is that? And Peter said, please help register our church. The general said, what? Your church is not registered? He called up his assistant. His assistant was our president. Became our president 10 years ago. He was uh, in presidency for eight years. That was his assistant. This assistant called up Peter Smith and said, Hey, you know what? We want to make your church registered. Within three days, we were called. This is red carpet treatment. We walk in, we sign our church registered nationally. That's what happened. But that's Jesus. And then we decided. We have to trust God. We start praying for, for Bible talk. One guy show up, two guys show up. I'm so excited right now to tell you. In Jakarta, we have 450 Bible talks going every other week right now. And God is awesome. We have 1,000 people studying the Bible every week. People, including Muslims, studying the Bible. Yes, there will be persecution. Yes, we'll be treated violently. But so what? God has been blessed in the church. We have 2,300 disciples in Jakarta. We keep sending a mission. We want to say, we pray that next year we'll be able to send another five missions. And year after that, we're going to send another five missions. We have limited resources. I look at this room. You are filled with talents. You are filled with knowledge. But the question is, what are we going to do about it? Jesus continues saying in verse 20. After he said, and I guarantee you'll be persecuted, he said verse 20. And Jesus began to denounce the towns in which most of these miracles had been performed. Because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for tear and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. It is crazy. Can you imagine, Terry? You know that story in Ezekiel 28. They thought they'll be fine. Alexander the Great came, you know what? Bring every bricks down and fulfill what Ezekiel 28 said. God said, you know what? It's more bearable for them. The reason is because it's not because of difficult situation. Because they choose not to repent. I used to go and say, God, please give us a better situation, better atmosphere, so that we can go evangelize. Let me tell you, I stopped praying for that today. It's not about better situation. It's not about oh, having more talented people, more resources. It's all good. But it's about, do we keep repenting? How about you personally? How about for the church as a whole? I look at this church, it's amazing. But I'm talking about you personally. When was the last time you repent? Because Jesus is not pleased with that. You can have doubt. 
but you got to repent. And then verse 23. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. For if the miracles that were performed, if you had been performing Sodom, it would have been remained to this day. But I tell you that it would be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Can you imagine Jesus compare them, Capernaum, to Sodom? Why? Jesus has done so many great things, but they are indifferent. You can have doubt, but please don't be indifferent. You got to do something. Indifference means, you know what? These things happen, that thing happened. You've seen many great things happen. You see that brother really used powerfully by God. You see these amazing people, you see their talents, and you're just being indifferent. You can have doubt, but don't be indifferent. And Jesus closed this chapter. He started talking about his relationship with the Father, verse 25. He said, you know what? I don't like people that don't, don't repent. I don't like people that actually don't, basically indifferent. Verse 25, he said, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. I met a lot of poor, simple people in Indonesia. I thank God until today, God, thank you for sending me back to Indonesia because I learned so much from them. You know what I learned from them? The heart of little children. They don't know much. You tell them, they grab that. That is the kind of heart that Jesus wants. The kind of heart that's like little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So basically, start talking about relationship. No one. No one will know God without me knowing me. If you know me, you will know and understand God. And then verse 28. It said, come to me. When you face your doubt, learn from John the Baptist. First thing he did was come to Jesus. All of you, you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I know your burden. I know the heaviness of your sin. I know all that. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I don't want you to just go and say, okay, Jesus, can you please do everything for me? No, I'll take that burden. But I want you to learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We have heard this verse, memorized this verse, I don't know how many times. Let me tell you. I praise God that I can be in the largest Muslim country in the world. And you're supposed to praise God as well that you are in Texas. I stop comparing myself to people's situation. I stop. It doesn't matter. I start comparing my talents, whatever, the gifts I have to other people. It doesn't matter. What matters is this. 
You and I, we all have burden. We all have our doubts. But the question is, what we do when we doubt? Do we come to Jesus and learn from Him? Because as we learn from Him, you know what? This is what we got. We can really trust Him. And when we trust Him and obey Him, actually, His yoke is much better. I can live in Indonesia, but my yoke could be lighter than people that live in the first world. One of the things that, that I feel is a challenge, big challenge in America, it's very easy for us to live in a comfort zone. Let me tell you, that's a big challenge as well. I could live in third world country with a lot of persecution, but actually, it could be very challenging for me to live in America with all this comfort life. So we all face challenges. It doesn't matter where we are. But the question is, what are we going to do about this? We're going to repent? Are we going to be indifferent? Are we choose? You know what? No matter what happened in my life, I'm going to come to Jesus. I'm going to trust Him even more. And I will obey Him. That's what makes John the Baptist become someone that actually Jesus is very pleased with. And I hope Jesus is pleased with everyone here. Thank you very much. Hope this helps everyone of us. Amen. We, we're going to be taking communion. So please 